Bum, bada bum, 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 bum. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Party Invite Show. My name is Tegan. That's me. Over here, I have Chris. Hello. Over there, we have Vilos. Hi. And over here, we got Sovereign Sid. Hello. Do not perceive me. <laughs> never. And we are Party Invite. Uh, here we bring, we strive to bring people a little bit closer through video games, whether that's playing, uh, discussing, or enjoying everything else from uh, memes to trailers to Twitch streams. So uh, we bring you a show every Wednesday at 7 o'clock Central Daylight Time to, uh, or in two parts. We've got the podcast first, which is right now. You can hear that um, on any of your podcatchers of choice. If you didn't know, Spotify has a video version now, so you can still see the Twitch VOD um, through Spotify. Or you can catch us on YouTube and all that. Uh, but following that is a game stream each week. And this week we are going to play Stray. Stray is a game about a kitty. You play a kitty in a... Uh, I don't think it's post-apocalyptic or anything like that, but it's a oh, cyber, no, cyberpunk. In, in a world. It is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's no humans. There's no... Oh, well, then... <laughs> Official. Are we sure no. that's post-apocalyptic or is that utopia? Yeah. <laughs> it's right. yeah. Um, and so you play a kitty, uh, you know, bumping bottles off of ledges and, and talking to your robot pals uh, all over that city. So Chris is going to take the pilot seat on that one. We're playing it on, he's playing it on uh, PlayStation Plus. So if you have PlayStation Plus, you can play it too. And hopefully you'll get an idea of what to expect from our stream here. But that's the second half of the show. The first half of the show is the podcast. And we'll start with uh, what we've been playing. After that, we'll get to our topic of the day, which is uh, talking about uh, emotional video games, the emotions that we feel and that attract us to certain types of games and how those games stick with us. So uh, let's start with what we've been playing. Who wants to go first? I, I can go first because it's so quick. Uh, I've been playing Prey, uh, and we've talked too much about it. So Fun I'll game. say it's really, really good, and go watch our VODs. Yeah, we've been... We've at least got three of them, right? Uh, we did the fourth one last night. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, I went back and double-checked that. Uh, we have been playing on Tuesdays, and we'll continue to play on Tuesdays, uh, because we want this show to have a variety of games and not just the same stuff that uh, one or several of us are gushing about. Um, we're not. We're probably not going to play it again on this Wednesday show. Uh, there'll probably just be a Tuesday thing until it's done. Um, there are lots of games I love, but if if everybody just lets me play all the stuff I like to talk about already, we'd literally do nothing else. So uh, we're going to avoid that. But uh, yeah, Chris and I've been going through Prey, and uh, if you really want to hear what we have to say about it, last night we we probably talked for at least twenty minutes after we finished playing, and just you know, kind of unpacked everything we saw, compared both of our playthroughs a little bit. Um, and and Chris, you had mentioned while we were doing that, that that Prey is probably now one of your top 10 video games. And I think yeah. as much as I've just been thinking about that game, I mean, I'm not that far in. Like the, the stuff that we just unlocked in yesterday's session basically seems like the real start of this game. Like I finally unlocked the core mechanics that we're going to see for the rest of the game. Um, but 
I think I'm going to try to write something uh, on the website about it because Prey is the the game that everyone needs to get their hands on. You know, if you're somebody who likes Bioshock at all, even a little bit, you need to play Prey. There are so many yep. good things going on um, that are that are similar to those games, uh, but also unique. And, and, you know, like I said, we've talked about it at length already, so I'm not going to bring all that stuff up again. But it's really good. Uh, very impressed. And I just can't wait to get through the rest of that. It's five years old now, which is crazy. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I've been playing that too, but, uh, you know. <laughs> You know, I uh, I joked that now that we're playing Stray tonight, I can use all the same prey puns that I've been using. No. This is so tonight mm-hmm. is our first uh, Stray through. You know. I actually commented on the um, Facebook post earlier. I was like, "Ah, oh, yes, prey," because it does it rhymes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So don't worry, I got I got several of those. <laughs> Ooh, chat's unhappy. <laughs> Boy, tough crowd, tough crowd. Uh, Add trombone music now. <laughs> I've got a few of those in the chamber, so you'll get the hero. No those chat, later. don't stray. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I shared it, I I uh, said all work and no stray makes Jack a dull boy. So anyway, this is our life. <laughs> Vilos, you got a bunch of games on your list. Uh, I do. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw out my first one. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I've been playing through the expansion Cindered Shadows because I just hadn't in two years of that expansion being out. And I need to get on to the uh, Three Hopes Warriors game. So, uh, Honest question. I, how yes. many Fire Emblem games are there that have three either in the title or is like the main theme? Like, like main two. main. It's just two, but... Uh, there's, I think that's three games that have three paths, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know how bad I am with like <laughs> dyslexia kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and just mixing <laughs> up names anyway. So like when, when this, uh, so there's three houses and what's the other one that I just saw somebody. Three uh, houses three hopes. and three hopes. Three yeah. hopes is the warriors game based on three houses. Okay. So there's a reason for it. There's not, it's not like a a random uh, another franchise bot. And they just came out with uh, DLC too, right? Uh, or they or announced DLC or something like in the last they, they um, direct? For, yeah. For three Hopes, yeah. It just came out a few weeks ago, so uh, excited about that. But uh, Cindered Shadows, the the what is technically the fourth playthrough for uh, Three Houses, mm-hmm. uh, introduces four new characters and once you play through Cindered Shadows, you actually get those characters available to join you uh, in the main campaign. And uh, boy, if you haven't played Three Houses, just do it. Uh, if you have played Three Houses and haven't played the expansion, uh, for the most part, I would say it's, it's worth it. I got 15 hours of gameplay out of the expansion. Um, some people got through it in about 10 hours, but uh, holy shit, the final boss in that game takes some work <laughs> uh, it's uh, it takes after final fantasy and you have to actually fight three houses at the same time oh, you might as well <laughs> yeah, that is... uh, uh, i no. mean you're fighting this one monster and i think you've got 10 people in your uh in your party technically 10 people worth of strategizing to take down this one monster uh and it can still be an hour-long battle Ooh. uh 
I, I beat it on my technical second attempt, but there's a thing called the Dragon Pulse in the game where you can rewind to any point that you might have messed up in, uh, and you have eight Dragon Pulses. I think it's eight Dragon Pulses in, in this particular fight, and the first time I played through, I actually used all of them, and over, I think it was about six hours, just completely lost the fight every possible way you can imagine. It's too much. <laughs> Yeah, and so I slept on it. Literally slept for twelve hours on uh, from Sunday to Monday. That on top a, of it, it was under your pillow. Was, <laughs> yes. No, the controller literally was like on me still. <laughs> I was passed the fuck out. Um, and then I, I came back uh, last night to it. Did a, did a little bit of work, and I actually beat it in about twenty minutes. So I'm feeling really accomplished. Um, but Cinder Shadows is really cool, and uh, the the same characters. Uh, are coming to Three Hopes. I think that was part of the uh, newest info about uh, about the Three Hopes, the Warriors game. So I'm I'm really excited to finally have three houses technically done. I didn't play through all the uh, the four campaigns, but um, I did the the important stuff, and I still I did breach the hundred hour mark in three houses total uh, with that Tinder Shadows playthrough. So uh, nice, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that it's it's an achievement, faux show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll leave my other two games because they're they're pretty short for after we get uh, what Sod's been playing. Yeah. So um, I have delved back into the world of Arcade Again, just because like it's such a nice little time sink. It's so like run and gun loot shoot sort of deal and i really like those little tiny like romps um if i'm just feeling bored i don't know what to play i'll just log into arcade again and you know do a few run throughs um what's really neat about it is like i compare it to borderlands meets ready player one but there are also some like roguelite elements to it because each run you get to um upgrade yourself with like perks and stuff that you find that augment your stats for that particular run but those are only temporary and they only last you for that run um, and then you can upgrade yourself um, outside of battle, like bringing in the powers that your gauntlet can do and doing all that stuff there. So it's got like some roguelike elements to it that I like that has drawn me to it. Um, it's got me off of Gunfire Reborn, which I've been obsessed with forever. So um, I really like that. I'm excited to find out how it plays on um, the Steam Deck, because that's my first thing that, that I do whenever I get a new game. I'm like, how's it play on the Steam Deck? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got a Steam Deck. <laughs> it's it's, make it's it kind of mandatory because you're you're like not even Steam Deck knows all the games that it can play like comfortably. Like uh, I I believe the first time I talked about it, uh, I broke it down to like all the categories that it has it listed, like great on deck, and then you know not so much, or we don't know. So um like we're out here doing research for people, you know the people who got our Steam Decks like earlier. So um I feel you know I feel obligated. So once I get the the, the Epic Games launcher on my Steam Deck, which is apparently super easy to do, like easier than Game Pass. Um, then I'll be be figuring that out. Nice. Uh, it's yeah. I've gotten so like further into the game, but I still haven't unlocked the lady that I want to talk to yet. The dancing lady, space lady. And I'm sad. <laughs> she's so cool. Oh, it's got character mer- customization. That's why I see what's going on here. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, baby. It looks cool, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a lot Very of fun. colorful. And is the music is like free super. Free? It's not, unfortunately. I think it's thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. Um, but I mean, I think it's worth getting. 
you know, I've had a lot of fun with it so far. It's drop-in, drop-out play, uh, just like Borderlands, so you could form a party with rando people or, um, of course, with your friends. And then they can, you know, leave at will and whatnot. And it's all and all of the E, right? Sorry? It's all, never mind, the trailer just answered it. <laughs> uh, in fact, I even think I asked you this last week and I just couldn't remember. Um, so, it, so it has PvE and PvP, it looks like. Yes, so um, PvP is like a separate mode that you access from the main hub. And um, it's kind of like Mario Party-like, you know? There are like deathmatch modes in it and stuff, but there are also some other like zany stuff too. Um, in the trailer, I think that shows some kind of like baseball game and some other things. So I haven't delved yet into that. The next time I play, well, the next time I stream it, um, I'm going to be hopping into that and also partying up with people because I haven't done that yet. I wanted to like kind of... First of all, find the weapons that I like to use, find the gauntlet stuff that I like to use, and then, you know, get my play style before jumping into a team. Because if I don't know that, then I'm not really going to be helping the team. Sure. Uh, as far as I've seen, though, the only really big thing to worry about are the boss battles. Because I've up the difficulty to like, level 8 uh, before. You can do it manually, or you can just do it um, by progressing naturally through the story, or through the, through the run. But if you do it manually, um, it costs you, like, money that you earn during your current run. So that's another way that it's a rogue. Like you can augment the like what's it called in Hades? Um, darkness. The different. The sorry, no, not the darkness. The um, like the different escalations that you can do. Are they escalations? Oh y yeah. Uh, it's on your contract. What are they called? They're not called escalations, but uh, I think they're, they're called that in um, Slay the Spire, maybe. But anyway, it's one of those. Like it deals. Oh, you know, ascensions, you can manually ascensions. Ascensions. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of like that. Uh, you do it manually within the run or, you know, doing it naturally. Um, but I haven't had any problem on low difficulties yet, except for bosses. They've one-shot me before and it hurts. It sucks. Because I'm like doing all good with like the mobs and everything. Uh -huh. And then the boss is just like, hello, gotcha. die. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 been a blast so far. I really like... Go ahead. The characters kind of look like a '90s, um, like Saturday morning cartoon that I can't place. Ooh, um, um, but that's not, what it's from. That's what it's. That's uh, not reboot. That's the reboot? vibes I'm getting. No, okay. This looks better than reboot. It's um, uh, it, this looks <laughs> like it would be cousins with um, Fusion Frenzy. You know, it's not a mini game game, but it's Actually, got yeah. a ton of different systems going on. All the color, all the style. Especially when they show that PvP uh, bit in there, where you're you're like shooting the platforms out from under your opponents. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that looks v cool. That's fun. Uh, it, in Hades, uh, the Pact of Punishment is how you upgrade. You know how you make it harder. Uh, okay. So it's really just the pact. But yeah, the ascensions are from uh, Slay the Spire. Wait, you know the it, it's Spelunky. I can feel like I'm having a great run, but the boss, you know, in that game, if you get squished, you are dead. There's, there's no surviving from a squish or like a, like a spike on the ground. And so there'll be times where I'm just like, oh yeah, we're doing it. Oh baby. And we're dead. Man, squish. It's over. <laughs> so, right. right, right. That's one way to, to make it go fast. Um, what was it? Uh, Vilas, when you were talking about the long boss fight with a bunch of your companions, it made me think of the boss fight in Elden Ring where you straight up summoned a bunch of other characters and all like 12 of you go and take on this boss that 
is like 30 stories tall. Um, and that fight does not last very long. Well, it doesn't last that long. But I was thinking, I'm like, man, with me, it goes super quickly because the, the boss just one-shots me mo pretty much every time. You know, so can't be a long boss fight when you're dead. Right. And games do some weird shit. <laughs> uh, like, I am I am a Fire Emblem fanatic, you know, and uh, the game literally tells you a, a couple different characters are like, don't be too hasty at the very start of the battle. And you're like okay, I'll believe you. And then if you believe them and you're like, I'll, I'll be very tactful, you're just going to get fucking punished. And if you actually do what you're supposed to for that final boss fight, you're actually supposed to get everybody into position and all attack at the same time. And that was only cemented. Like, I had the idea. I was like, I bet I'm supposed to actually bum rush this enemy. And I looked on YouTube and this dude finished the, the fight in like, 15 minutes or something and lost one character i was like are you are what? you serious right now <laughs> like it was ridiculous and then when i did it in a little over 20 minutes i was like of, of course that's of course you, you just gotta not listen to the characters right, right. they're like take everything yeah, yeah. you've learned and uh when you get to this boss throw it all away like for, for real <laughs> i've got like 300 hours of fire emblem experience <laughs> at this point and i'm like god man all right Bruh. <laughs> um, she was a spy. She wanted. She wanted you to to suffer. <laughs> you know that that Edelgard man. She's uh, she's spicy, but uh, you, you can't trust her all the time. Um, I'll go ahead with with my second game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I played through House of the Dead remake, which uh, if anybody's familiar with Forever Entertainment, they released uh, the Panzer Dragoon remake a little over a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Um, played the hell out of that on my Switch. And uh, House of the Dead remake, like, it is what it is. But this is a game that, uh, just like the Panzer Dragoon series, basically, the old files were largely lost. And so Forever Entertainment got the, got the rights, and they decided to make what is more of a spiritual remake um, than anything uh and and they brought this this arcade experience to the switch that's really as you can see in the video it does not look good but the point is that it's not supposed to look good right it's an arcade shooter it's a on the rails it's old as hell like i think the original came out in 99 something like that um and of course there's like four maybe five house of the dead games in arcades and uh, on a couple of the consoles, but it's super campy, super stupid, very fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really the easiest way to say it. Uh, you can beat the entire game in about 45, 50 minutes. Um, even though, thankfully, the, the game is uh, it's forgiving because you get, like, I think 10 continues. Uh, That's nice. It technically still goes through the continue process. Uh, if you do waste those, you can purchase uh more continues but for real dollars <laughs> thankfully no um at, <laughs> at the end of the day it's it's uh really meant for that co-op experience just like it would have been in the arcade i'm yeah if i don't find somebody to play it with soon though i'm gonna just dual joy con it and and go at it <laughs> because it does use the the gyro controls i want to uh, see so. you do that because yeah. that like i'll never forget the the time that i was in an arcade with my pals and they either ran out of quarters or had to walk away or something. And I was like, oh, my God. 
goodness, my time has come. I now have access to two guns. I'm going to do two times as well. And I picked those bad boys up, and my accuracy went to like 10%, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it turns out you can't aim either gun when you're trying to shoot both guns. And uh, I really, like, I did so bad. I died. I put the thing down and walked away, and I was like, you know what? I really learned something here. <laughs> uh, this this was designed for one person twice, not one person double, you know, dual wielding. I was like, this thing was made a specific way, and I should have respected that because trying to use it my way was just like unplayable, you know. And what was I going to be mad? Because like the whole time I'm straight up shooting at the screen, and you can kind of see where you're shooting. And I'm just like a stormtrooper. I can see myself. I'm like, aim there, right in the middle. And the guns are just like, just all around the enemies. Somehow hitting every single other thing, but never the enemy. I was like, wow, this is, uh, you know, things don't always go the way you expect them to. No. <laughs> I, I remember doing that with T2, trying to play with both. And it's just, yes. a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> oh, but the giant rumbly guns, like, those are the best. The, the ones that are like, like on the pivot and you like pounds. have to like. Yeah, you just. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So satisfying. You're feeling it like two hours later. You're like, uh, muscle memory. Like, right. <laughs> we played, but... we went to an arcade up here. Well, actually, it was like a tiny thing in a bowling alley. And they had some cool games and some funny like licensed stuff that I'd never seen before. There was like a massive House of the Dead style thing with four players and it was a Tomb Raider, like a modern. Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah, like Guardian of Light or the other one. What was it? Temple of Osiris? Sure. Oh, one of those. And yeah. it was an on-rail shooter like this, and it was pretty good. And uh, if I remember, I think that one had good feedback in the controls, uh, but there was like a Halo Warthog one nearby, like a racing thing. And then there was this other, like, Galaga-like... Or not Galaga, um... Space Defenders? Is that what it's called? Space Invaders? Invader? The, the one where everything, it drops down and goes left and right and then drops down. Yeah, and that's invaders. Invaders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we played that, except in this one, you like have a gun that does the thing you just described. And I've never played an arcade game with such a powerful uh, like rumble machine <laughs> inside of it. Like you press that thing and I'm like, I don't even care if I hit. I just don't want it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Um, but House of the Dead, I really, I really recommend it for for it being what it is, uh, it's technically not a spoiler because the end of the game has been around for 25 years or whatever, but um, it's just really funny how stupid the story is. Uh, the The main bad guy is a doctor that obviously, just like the Resident Evil series, like he was going out of his way to find a cure for something when he ends up causing zombies and he just power goes to his head and uh, he at the end of this game he creates what basically looks like a zombie demon version of Mewtwo, and <laughs> it's it's so funny. He's like, uh, I've created the he some, says something stupid like I've, I've created uh, the greatest invention invention of all time or whatever, and this Mewtwo looking thing comes up, and and it's like, who are you? No one can control me, and he instantly kills the dude. And it's like what is going on and it's like <laughs> two minutes of story and it just blows the entire thing away it makes no sense um but it's it's so much fun for being a short experience uh and the whole thing just like panzer dragoon and any of the other on rail shooter kind of things it's 
it's about just getting a better time, you know, performing better in the game. Uh, so it's, it is endlessly replayable. Uh, I played it uh, on a pro controller on my Switch, uh, and obviously that is not the optimal way to do it. So uh, as soon as I can, I'm going to get on those those gyro controls. Like I, I and, used uh, the pro controller, and I fought that final boss for six hours. <laughs> yes. I, I didn't hit him once. <laughs> I, I just imagine you like using your sticks to move around, but the sensitivity is like really low, so you're just like slowly, oh. Oh, he's too fast. <laughs> oh, I can't, 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 can't get to him. It, surprisingly, the controller... You gotta do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the stick controls were actually really good. I was very surprised because I really didn't expect them to be worth it at all. Um, but I was, I was pretty accurate. Uh, the one funny thing in the game, though, is they, they had an update, I think it was just a couple days ago, um, <laughs> that one of the major major sticking points of the game was uh, eliminating the voice that says reload because throughout the whole game you're just using a pistol until you like unlock other weapons and stuff and your pistol has six bullets now if you're shooting as much as you are supposed to shoot in this game you're hearing the voice go reload 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 like not even three seconds go by because you're just on the triggers just just hammering that shit and i swear to you it has to like you have to hear it two thousand times. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Just because of the amount of shots that you're that you're firing. Um, but uh, of course, I I updated it like after I had played through it. Oh, if only they had named this House of the Dead Reloaded. You know, it's iconic. <laughs> that actually is um, a PlayStation One game about like zombies. It's isometric and it is super fun. If you get, if you like games like um, Smash TV or mm -hmm. uh, anything like that, it is so much fun. Uh, Recolon loaded. So, yeah. Fun. Yes. Recolon. Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I've got one more, but I'll, I'll let Sav go with the next one. There you go. So, um, I've been playing Splunky 2. No. <laughs> <gasps> da, da, da. <laughs> hey, uh, I know we've got next week's game lined out, BT Dubs. It's uh, As Dusk Falls chat, so we're really excited for that. And actually, chat can uh, be, they can interact. You can actually vote in the game on that stream. But uh, I, we still need to put together, I'm still figuring out details on co op Spelunky. So if the three of you want to play a game that you only have to hate for 20 minutes, um, Chris, um, it's going to be great. <laughs> Provided you are good enough in that run, Tegan. Just uh, no, so, so, so I've thought about this. I know you're completely derailing this because Sav was just making a joke. But uh, I, if, if we play, I'm not going to be player one because then the camera will follow me and screw you guys up. I'd rather have it follow one of you. And then eventually when you die, it'll give it to me. And then I think it gives it back to the real player one at the beginning of every level, I think. Um, I mean, I can keep at it. Then, hey, you're player one. Oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll have the camera follow you. The rest of us will go nuts. Like, oh, I fell off the screen. and it then should, It should definitely be someone else, because I play like you do. So. <laughs> Just... Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll give it to Chris. That way, Chris can have the I'm most like fun. Inching along. <laughs> oh, my God. The I best. Throw myself onto the spikes right then. <laughs> Watching the Spelunky uh, one streams, like, you see somebody, like, fall down a pit. And they're like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm down below, main character. Come down here so I can see. And then the main character comes down and you realize, oh, the person didn't land on 
Oh, they're squished. Oops. You know, uh, they're impaled. Uh. Oops. Uh, but we'll do that soon. I mean, maybe we do end up doing that later uh, on a Wednesday just because it's all four of us. But I've really been excited about that because it's completely unhinged. Absolute chaos. <laughs> so that's what I've been playing. <laughs> but really, that's actually all I've been playing. That and the other stuff, uh, Prey, that we already talked about. So that's a wrap on me. Okay, well, then I'm going to take that player one camera and put it back on me so I can talk about multiverses. <laughs> so um, for... I, this isn't the first time I mentioned multiverses, but now it is in open beta. Except for it's not really in open beta yet. Right now it's an early access open beta because, of course, you have to have one of those. And um, I was grandfathered over to, into the early access because I was I was in the both of the closed technicals and the closed alpha. Uh, but if you want to get in on the early access one, you can just watch a stream with drops and then you can get in that way. Um, or maybe buying a founder's pack will get you in as well. I'm not really sure what all the founder's pack entails in that regard, but it does come with like the gleamium premium currency and um, character tickets. So you don't have to spend gold to unlock people, blah, blah, blah. But um, open beta for real, real opens on the 29th. So if you don't get early access or the 26th, sorry, uh, if you don't get early access, then you could still wait until the 26th and then um, you'll be able to play with everyone else. And it is crossplay. But once you choose your platform for this test, you're stuck on that platform. You can't switch between them. So make sure that you choose wisely. It's between PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. So um, I play with an Xbox controller on my PC. That's just the easiest way for me since I also stream it. But I mean, it plays well across all platforms from what I've seen. So whichever one is the most comfortable for you, I would advise getting on there. Um, if you were in the closed alpha already, then you don't have to enter a new code for the uh, open beta. However, if you are on PC, they will send you a new one uh, in the email. But as for what the game actually is, for the people who don't know, um, it is a platform fighter uh, by Warner Brothers Studios. And it's got like all the Hanna-Barbera people in it. So Scooby-Doo. And it's got like um, the, you know, the superheroes. So like the Justice League. It's got Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, it's got Looney Tunes in there, Tom and Jerry. They introduced Taz as well. And it's got Arya Stark in it. Uh, no, no more confirmed Game of Thrones people yet. But there are more like instances of Game of Thrones like merchandise in the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone else made a made an appearance. I think it'd be really cool if one of the wolves did, like Ghost. That would be cool. Oh yeah. Um, who else is in there? I think it's I think it's rad that they just added Iron Giant. Like yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. He's huge, uh, by the way. They yeah, didn't like. Gigantic. They oh, didn't, like, yeah. shrink him like they did Ridley. I mean, they did... Ridley's still kind of big, but Iron Giant is, like, he big. Like, he did... Like, a lot. Like, all the seas. Yeah, let me see if I can find him in this trailer again, because, uh, like, you see Superman in here. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here's a perfect... Uh, you'll be able to see this on stream. Never expanding roster. And then you see Taz looking normal. And then the Iron Giant, like, three times his size. Yep. Yeah, as tall as uh, this entire like bottom level. That's I was just thinking about it because you were like all the Hanna Barbera people, and I was like, oh my gosh, are they gonna put like Harvey Birdman and stuff in this? Like that would be. Well, they could. People have been uh, um, submitting like suggestions and things because they're open to feedback. They said no holds barred. Like anyone that we have license to, like Warner Brothers is like all for it, which already far and away puts them ahead of like that Nickelodeon game because first of all, the studio didn't even believe in their game and then they didn't get any of the licensing for the voice actors and then 
Like, it's just a mess. I'm not going to talk too much about it. The already $10. It was $10 this week on Switch. Like free. Uh, Nickelodeon? Yeah. It's free wow. on PlayStation. Oh, I think it might be one of their, like, plus games or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, well, that, it's inferior. I would just, just get multiverses, y'all. Don't, don't even mess with that one. <laughs> <laughs> because multiverses is free, and it will be free on launch. It will have a battle pass system, and you'll be able to unlock cosmetics and things like that to customize your, you know, your skins for your fighters and you know, banners and titles and things like that, uh, profile icons. So that's one of those, you know, games as a service games, which in the past, you know, I've frowned about. But like, I'm, I love this game. I'm willing to throw money at this game. And y'all already know, it's got founders packs. So you know what that means. I bought the $100 founders pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my and gosh. I'm having such a good laugh about that because the last couple of games that I did that for, we're just like, I never touched them again. You know, I did that for New World. I did that for Godfall. I did that for, um, shoot. What was the other one? I think I actually, I don't think it was $100, you, but I bought them. Did like 70 for Century? Yeah, Century. Yeah. But that one I still, you know, I enjoy. But I actually just recommended it in <laughs> the chat. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, it's another, oh, Borderlands. That was the other one. Borderlands 3. What? Um, I, I got the $100 Founders Pack, or, you know, edition of that one. Played it for two hours. Nailed Total. Worth. Still, to this day. Oh, man. <laughs> but this one, I mean, y'all already know how much I put into just the closed tests, right? Can we, can we like, talk about these $100 editions of things just for two seconds? Because there is, <laughs> in sports games, they always do this, right? Because they use, they have like a ton of this like digital currency and stuff to increase how your player plays and all this stuff. But this year, NBA 2K23, they are also adding um, NBA League Pass in there in like the ultimate edition of the game, which is like 120 or something. Um, so you get basically like a 70, uh, probably like a $100 value from NBA League Pass also when you purchase that. So they're actually like, I know that like 2K has like yeah, 2K has like been really really bad with their uh, digital currency stuff, and like how that works, like actually making it like gambling and especially in NBA. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was cool to, for them to be like, oh, here's also NBA League Pass for the entire season. I was like, they're finally doing stuff instead of being like, hey, you got a digital skin and a bunch of coins. Yeah, hundred bucks. I mean, as long as there's that. something yeah. that actually has inherent value like you know they they send you a, a fucking medal or something <laughs> like yeah but the reason that i explore right? so often on those on those packs is because they come with like exclusive stuff that otherwise nobody else can oh have. right so i yeah. may not i may not log into new world for like 10 years but you know when i do i'm gonna have that founders edition <laughs> like super skin <laughs> you got that stuff yep and people will be like oh where are you gonna get that and i'll be like oh if you have to ask <laughs> die no <laughs> <laughs> so um with the first pack for this one though i thought it was worth it it comes with like a legendary animated banner it comes with a legendary profile picture and it comes with um a bunch of character tickets so i don't have to worry about managing my resource to unlock characters because i could just unlock a whole roster i already did so i could be whoever i want right now which is awesome i'm 90 percent is going to be wonder woman but i still have the option <laughs> <laughs> and then uh your name shimmers Instead of being like a like a normal like black or whatever, 
uh, it's golden and it shimmers like when it shows up on the like banners and the versus screen and whatnot. So nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's worth a hundred dollars, but <laughs> I still paid it <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? That money is definitely going to go towards the development of this game, and I want them to keep doing what they're doing because people are already so obsessed with it, and it's not even fully out yet. You yeah. Know? Uh, and we got rumors of Gandalf coming. That's going to be cool. Lord of the Rings people. Um, I mean, yeah, he was like super duper mega leaked early, early, early on in development. Hobbitses. Hobbitses? No. Should we be what? playing as potatoes and, and whey bread? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, watching their developer blogs, like they very clearly care. So that's, yeah. that's really nice. And definitely anytime you can put a little bit of money towards it, that's, that's awesome. Good. And so far, the only voice actor that they have that is not like the original voice actor is for Steven. Um, they have a substitute for him, Steven Universe, mm. uh, because the original voice actor is like on mental health leave or whatever. But that's oh. the only reason, you know. Oh. Everyone yeah. else is like, you know, true to form. So we got Kevin Conroy, Tara Strong, um, you know, Estelle playing Garnet. Estelle? I think it's her name. The British singer lady. Um, you know, all the greats. So definitely worth it. Unlike that one Nick game. <laughs> <laughs> Who couldn't even... I mean, uh, I'm not going to... I'm done. I'm done talking about that. Get <laughs> multiverses, y'all. <laughs> do, do, do the thing. <laughs> they have a lot of licenses. I don't know if you guys know that. For real. Oh, yeah, they do. Like uh, Rick and Morty is actually uh, going to be coming to the game as well. Uh, Mr. Meeseeks is already in there as an item. So uh, we're how about... Really how about Dirty Harry. So just put Clint Eastwood in there. Uh, Dirty Harry. Technically, I guess if they wanted to, they could do Harry Potter. That would suck, but they could. They they do have the rights to it. They Uh, probably will. They have Hagrid's son in there. Johnny Quest. Yeah. What's really neat though is about like I I really love how it's ally oriented. You know, most platform fighters are you know, kind of do your own thing. And it's 1v1 centric competitively, but this is 2v2 competitively. Like, that's their competitive focus. That's where they want the drive to be for the career of, like, the esports career of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that does is that opens up a role that we've never seen in a platform fighter before, which is yeah. support. Um, there's mm. a support role. Like, there's an actual characters that are support characters. Um, Velma is one of them, and then there's an original character named Rain Dog, who is a reindeer-dog hybrid Super cute, super fluffy. Uh, but like characters that focus on healing, providing shields, and um, safeguarding, like preventing you from being um, wrung out and stuff. Like there's a whole support role, which is something that I don't think we've ever seen in a platform fighter before. Yeah, I haven't um, heard of that so before. I think that's just awesome because people think that whenever a new platform fighter comes out, it's going to be like, oh, it's a Smash clone. Oh, it's a Smash clone. Like rivals did the 2D thing, and people compared that to Melee. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's the easiest thing that people can talk about because everyone has that shared language of it, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, but it's also a genre, though, you know what I mean? Well, I would say this compares very well to, like, Dark Souls, right? Dark Souls is a game, but people... Or Metroidvania. You know, the game and the genre are basically the way that people have to talk about it because they know that like people who don't know anything about games, as long as they know that one, they understand a huge piece of what you're talking about. You know, so people say Smash clones because they're like, I don't know what else, you know, people, there are plenty of people who don't even know like what a platformer is, right? They know what a platformer is, they just don't know the name of it. 
Right. But you you call it a smash clone, even if it's not. And they can at least get a you know a general picture of uh, of what that looks like. I just find it interesting because like it's definitely not precise at all. It's not a precise way to talk about games, but it's like vague enough that you can include people and they aren't just instantly checked out. You know, because yeah, it's easy for people to feel like if they don't know a lot about games, like if they don't recognize words you're talking about, then they'll get uh, like uncomfortable. They'll feel like they're excluded, which is. Uh, Something I've run into with my friends when I talk about games to my non-gaming friends. Well, like, I, I understand where that comes from. Like, I understand that point. It's just, like, the way that you say something kind of frames how it will be perceived, you know? So, like, if I'm describing a platform fighter, I'll be like, oh, it's like Smash Bros. Like, I'll say it's like Smash Bros. You know, I won't... Because yeah. saying it's a Smash clone devalues the game that you're talking about. It's just like, why would I play this game if it's just a clone of Smash? Why don't I just go play Smash? Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Like, I understand that point, but then at that point, I would just be like, you know, it's like Smash, mm -hmm. but with Warner Brothers characters. Like, I even called it in my in my game title, I called it Super Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but the way that it changes it up, the formula, is that it has that ally focus. So even, even then, I wouldn't even call it a Smash clone, because Smash is definitely individual focus, you know? So mm -hmm. that's, that's um, my, like, original... Uh, Point was that I love how it's changing up the genre and making us think about anything that a platform fighter could could be. You know, what's next? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and like you said, it's it's nice that like because this is in my head like the third thing like this. You have Smash, and then you have the Nickelodeon one, which was not a huh, Smash hit, um, and then you have <laughs> this one. So it's like tough because it's almost and this just this applies to anything you can think of. When you have a second thing that's cl really close to the first thing, and that second thing doesn't do well, and then a third thing shows up, it's hard for people to give it the patience that it deserves because they are thinking about the second thing, you know? And you're like, no, 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 get rid of this idea you have in your head because these are totally different things, you know? And I'm telling you, it's worth it. I mean, Chris and I talking about Prey, right? I thought that Prey was just like Bioshock, but in space. And it's like Bioshock, you know, but you're, you're talking about a support role. I've never heard anything like that in a platformer. Like that's yeah. completely unique. Um, it's in, in Prey, I think besides the, the thing that I'm not going to spoil that we just unlocked last night, the fact that you can like shoot your glue gun on the wall and then climb on it to reach anything you, you can think of, you know? Yeah. It's like Bioshock, but stuff like that completely makes it worthwhile as its own entity. Um, which is really nice like for, for podcasts like ours where podcasts are the biggest way that I discover games that I that weren't on my radar, you know? And it's because like I kind of get skeptical at uh, official like journalist game reviews or we were joking before the show about Fox News' barbecue, top five cities for barbecue um, in the United States. And part of that is because like you just have a writer who's like super biased and sometimes that bias can be valuable in whatever you're talking about. But I remember years ago, there was uh, somebody on one of the big websites, maybe it was Kotaku or Polygon. Um, but Mass Effect 3 had come out and the person they had that they chose to write about it opens their statement with, well, you guys know that I sh didn't like the other Mass Effect games, but I tried to give this one a shot. Well, I hated it. You know, and I'm looking at that, I'm like, why did they choose this person with the least valuable insight to be the person 
that people and I like me are going to read, you know? Um, so stuff like that made me skeptical of reviews, but when you hear people, you know, hear in Sav, hear you talk about this game just from how excited you are, you know, from like a player and a streamer and a creator perspective, instead of like a professional journalist perspective or whatever the hell you'd call that thing I described with Mass Effect. Um, you know, I feel like you get so much more genuine feedback from stuff like that. Um, and, and so like, I, I care less about a Metacritic review, but when I hear someone like you talk about the game in that way, I'm on board, you know, suddenly it's way up on my list where before wouldn't have cared at all. So I, I'm here to hear all the, uh, all the multi multiverses talk you got and you have Twitch drops enabled on your channel, right? Yes. So if you come through and you watch for a lot, don't leave. <laughs> then you uh, then you get a, a drop, which will give you access into the the early access uh, beta. And I think Vilos confirmed earlier that buying a Founders Pack does give you instant access as well. But from our conversations about Blizzard and Overwatch 2, you know I'm not going to actually like say that that's the reason that you should buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would condone buying these Founders Packs. <laughs> Obviously. Because uh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> right. Carlos, do you want to tell us about your uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball on the Super <laughs> Nintendo clone? Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, my last game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take like 20 seconds um, because somehow we're going to fit a party topic and a game in here. I don't know. Yeah, we, yeah uh, we're so... I mean, yeah. we, can, we so, could always save the party topic for later. It's our show. You know, it's not against the law. But um, the... It was not the last game I played, but one of the games that I spent a lot of time with this week was MLB The Show 22. Uh, I played it on Switch. I dared to buy it on Switch because they had a good deal on it. It was 30 bucks. And uh, if you are into those kind of games, MLB The Show and the, the 2K games and stuff like that, this is actually one of the best ports I've seen on the Switch. Because anybody that knows MLB The Show, it is a pretty-ass game uh, with the best animations that I have seen in a sports game. And uh, even though the, the resolution is definitely lower, there's, there's some, some quality things there that are not the best on the Switch. Uh, this game looks fantastic, and it plays just like MLB The Show is supposed to play. Absolutely fantastic. The best baseball game that you can, that you can play, period. And uh, the fact that it's portable on Switch is so nice. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that. That it's it's good on on the uh, yeah. I mean, did you see my video on on Twitter? It actually looks really yeah. good. It looks better on Twitter than it actually done on the system. But uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's something completely different. I don't even know. But uh, no, it actually the animation quality is is just so high that the resolution almost doesn't even matter anymore. It's um, very surprising. Carlos, I I meant to ask you this when we put this up here. Am I good to show this trailer? Because I remember one of the things that is like that uh youtube will actually enforce is the remember like wrestling or i think we had a different mlb oh no the no wwe is a very specific thing so mlb the show is just fine and and that's the official nintendo video so boom cool i will still play that yeah yeah because i <laughs> i joke about like us not getting bonked by any of the dmcas or anything but then mlb is going to come in here and just be like no you are too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're seeing the lovely Shohei Otani, uh, the uh, the greatest thing to have in the baseball in like a hundred years, basically. 
Um, but yeah, definitely, if you have any kind of itch uh, to play a baseball game, uh, especially on Switch, go ahead and grab it up. It's still on sale for 30 bucks uh, at Best Buy and a lot of places right now. So get it while you can. Um, the, it was actually uh, also the eShop had it on discount, I think, until today or maybe sometime later this week. Uh, but yeah, just it's super good and um, it, it takes some getting used to. But the, it's got some of the most accessibility options I've ever seen in a game as well. There's so many things you can do to, to learn how to play it, as well as figure out what you're best at and, and how to uh, play the different modes. It's, it's absolutely wild, the options that that game gives you. And it's the full experience on Switch. Hey, and that commercial had a Muppet in it. so It did. It has a lot of bonus points going for it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Sob, for the uh, extra special title for uh, MLB The Show. That is that is definitely the full title. MLB yeah. The Show 22E Gold New Hyper Ultra Mega Super Alpha Arcade Anniversary EX Plus Edition 3 and Knuckles and Watch featuring Dante from Devil May Cry and New Funky Mode. <laughs> <gasps> now on mobile and Game Pass. <laughs> Set in um, Asia. <laughs> oh, callback. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a deep cut. Uh, well, I think that's it then for what we've been playing. I mean, I've been playing Rogue Company a bunch with the gang. A bunch of us have in Discord. We've tried Planet Side. We've uh, been doing a little bit of Raft. Um, I'm sure there's other stuff, but uh, you know how it is. If you want to find our Discord, which has a whole bunch of people playing a whole bunch of things, you can either read this in chat or you can go to partyinvite.games and you can find links to all of our socials over there. Uh, but I think that's it for what we've been playing. Are you guys good to roll into our party topic, or do you want a short break? I'm just a quick break, quick, quick. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to eat more Hawaiian Brothers than if we're going to break. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to play this uh, Last of Us Remastered trailer real quick. I'm excited for this. I heard the... Uh, Multi so the multiplayer is a standalone package and has its own story mode, which I think is cool. The first game did cool stuff, but just never got updated. And uh, I want to see what it looks like if they're actually focused on updating this thing. Um. So you're partially right. Um, the multiplayer is its own own thing. Mm-hmm. It's actually not like a re it's not like they're remaking the multiplayer from this. Mm -hmm. They are kind of starting completely. They like basically were like starting to work on it. And then they're like, we're just going to make it its, its own game. And it's its own. It'll just be. Uh, what was it called before? Um, um, it was one word. It was like. Factions. Factions. Yep. Yeah, so it'll just be like Last of Us Factions um, and be like its own standalone giant thing. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Um, there's there's cool stuff going on in there. Uh, but yeah, it just never got updated. The same with Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. Pretty cool. And they did roll out with like updates, but not quality of life updates. They only rolled out with new content which was exactly as broken as the content that came out before it. Uh, pour one out for that game. 
It could have been great. Here, can you put it on the BRB screen, and we'll we will. Oh, I'll just put I'll just put that. it on. Uh, I'll just put it on me. Hold on. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll do BRB. All right, everybody, I'm still talking. You didn't get uh, enough of me yet. I'd boot up words on stream, but uh, takes too long. Y'all are too good. <laughs> we end up getting to level, you know, 15. We're tapping our watches. Okay, I'm good whenever. All right, and the show continues. Vilas and uh, Chris, they are uh, out. They didn't make the cut. They're dead. So anyway, favorite cheeses, right? Um, okay, provolone is my top favorite cheese. Smoked provolone, Gouda. Provolone and cheddar. Oh, dude, we've got smoked smoked Gouda is what I used for breakfast today. It's so good. And it's man, I love it when Lizzie uses it because it just makes the kitchen smell like smoked Gouda. And that's almost as good as eating it. <laughs> Uh, Navi came and sat on my lap a while ago, and everything was pretty cool. Uh, but she started to attack my hand, which means I'm moving too much. And her tail's all feisty. I know that one false move, and I'm getting a, a nip. The plot thickens with danger. All right, we back, baby. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Skirt. All right. Odysseus has got saucy fingers. Hell yeah. Saucy fingers. Wow. What <laughs> what was the winner? Ranch? I hope I hope wings and ranch are treating you right. Where did the wings come from? Well, from the pole, of course. Wing stop. Wingstop, he said. So, uh, yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. Let's see. Actually, Kitty, I might need you to get up. I'm that is illegal, sir. I'm yeah, not... you're breaking cat law. I'm comfy, but I'm warm. Well, that's okay. Uh, so that's it for what we've been playing now. We're gonna scooty-scoot over to our party topic today. So, uh, Vilas, you suggested this. This is uh, the emotional games we play and uh, why we play them. And I've I've definitely got stuff to say here. I definitely have examples and reasons. Um, but when I think of this, I immediately think of uh, you and Chris. I know that, um, you know, Vilas, you you play so many games. What did you say? Uh, what what's this? What's the next one? Like the next game you beat is number what? Uh, 24? Yeah. Uh, no, the next one that I will beat will be number 25 for the year. Dang. So, you've played almost 25 games now. Well, you've beaten almost 25 games now. Um, and Chris, I know, uh, Chris, I always think about, you know, what you've talked about with Disco Elysium and Mutazione, which are even the examples that, uh, Vilos gave in our doc. I was like, oh yeah, those are the first ones I think of with you, Chris. Um, 
you know, it's just interesting uh, the different types of games we play. I mean, I, I thought of this uh, for emotional. I know this wasn't really the same avenue, but I think of it as the same reason why I like uh, horror games. There's a, there's like an Onion or Reductress article that I love. I forget the exact words, but it's like uh, girlfriend hesitantly tells, uh, you know, friends that to her, fear is kind of a bad thing. You know, the idea of, like, trying to convince people to watch, you know, like, a scary movie marathon or something. And then someone being like, yeah, maybe I don't want to be afraid because being afraid is bad, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you would apply that to being, you know, sad as well. Why would I play a sad game? Why would I listen to sad music? And it's not always the, you know, appropriate thing for everybody in every situation. But, uh, you know, catharsis is a wonderful thing. You know, flexing those muscles like you, you only a muscle only gets stronger when you flex it. And when you um, flex an emotional muscle with with music or video games, uh, you can really get a lot out of it. And, and it might be tough to see that from a perspective of someone who um, maybe doesn't play emotional games, maybe someone who games a lot, but they only play competitive multiplayer, for example. I mean, I found myself in a position talking to uh, former coworkers where I tell them some of the games I played uh, and why. And they're like, they make sad video games. And I'm like, Oh boy, you, you don't play a lot of story mode stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. Real emotions are cool. Y'all. They are very cool. And wow. there's such a wide variety of games and emotions that you can experience that way. Uh, and they're only getting, you know, they're only getting better with the rise of indie games over the past decade the stories that people are able to tell um, are, hey, don't try to bite me. Oh my gosh. Fear. <laughs> Fear. Uh, Lizzie must be home if she's getting up that quickly. Uh, the, um, what am I even saying? Uh, indies, the rise of indies has allowed uh, not only a wider variety than ever before, but uh, a higher quality in those games. And so uh, today we're playing Stray which I believe is an Annapurna game, right? Uh, yep. I think that's right. Yeah, Anna, Annapurna, they should, I hope that when we boot up the game, they add an extra R because per, you know how it is. Um, but you look at a game like that and um, just think how unique that is that we're about to watch a cat explore a cool environment, right? I don't know if that story is going to be emotional at all. No idea. But the idea is that uh, these these environments and characters and game mechanics can just be so um so totally unique and they can really speak to you uh chris if we could if i could actually you know put you on the spot first um okay. i i would really love to hear again what your thoughts are on mutazione because that's a game that you talked about for quite a while before i ever really understood what it was because i kept mixing that up mm -hmm. with some other the Children of Morda game, I think. So I oh, didn't yeah, yeah. understand what that was. Um, but I, I ended up trying it on a brunch stream a while back, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, so yeah, do you want to talk about why that game really spoke to you? Um, I mean, it's a... Uh, it's So without getting like, oh, well, Webster's Dictionary says that art is... Uh, <laughs> but no, but seriously, the, the, the definition of art is like is like doing something creatively that conveys an emotion or gets some a, a person to feel a certain way about a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so it doesn't have to be just sad things. It can be, um, you know, 
joyous things or, or what have you. It doesn't always have to emotional game. Doesn't mean that it's sad. It can, it can make you feel nostalgic or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or, or like super happy. Um, but with Metazion, it's the music, the art style, the story that they're just trying to tell of it being like a, a little mutant soap opera on a, uh, what seems to be like an Italian Island, um, with a bunch of crazy creatures and stuff all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories that they're telling in there are very real and human and something that like you could totally relate to. Um, even though it's a giant weird toad person talking to you about it. Um, like that kind of emotional. It's not even like, I don't even think that game made me cry or anything like that, but it's just like the tone that it sets. You're like, Oh, I could, this might get me. Mm. It didn't. I loved it, but it, you know, the the, the t- trying to tell like real human stories that are, uh, you know, um, sometimes sad, sometimes you know, really nice and sweet. It's just that's the kind of stuff that I I I'm like way more interested in than, um, Years of War eight. <laughs> um, you know, like I just yeah. like that kind of stuff doesn't do it for me. Um, and like stuff like. Like I think, like the if you're talking about emotional games, like the the one that everyone is going to bring up is is The Last of Us, right? Mm-hmm. And what The Last of Us is able to do is like affect you in a way that is not just, um, oh, I played this video game and it was fun. It's like no, I played this video game, uh, and it fucked with my brain for like a few days. Yeah, and like I'm I know I'm like a a complete weirdo here, but like when people ask me what my favorite movies are and stuff, uh, one of the, that's always at the top of the list is uh, Requiem for a Dream. Cool. Now, people are like, I saw that movie once and I don't ever want to see it again. Well, <laughs> I saw it and I was like, that was the most affecting thing I think I've ever seen in my life. And like, I'll never forget when I saw it, you know, combination of the way it's shot and the music and everything. Like, yeah, I just that's the kind of stuff I'd rather um sink my time into because it's um it's interesting and it's real and not just um I'll blow some shit up. I like that too. Let's blow some shit up. That's fun. But right. there's there's you know. definitely value in like turning your brain off and you know yeah. you, you got off work, you had a long day and the last thing you want to do is flex, you know, stressor muscles, right? Right. totally valid um yeah you know but it, it also feels good you know it's like a good stretch um to, to be able to do that even if you know you just got home from a long day of work and it's like oh i'm gonna boot up the last of us so my heart rate will just stay above 100 beats per minute for four hours uh you know it there's there's like there's so much in there that the stress of the like brutality of the last of us or the gun combat um can't or even like if i'm playing god of war and it's a hard difficulty so like death comes swiftly and often you know to me it makes you know it makes it sweeter when those slower moments um appear in between i mean in, in god of war there are so many moments where it's uh similar to the last of us you've got uh father and you know son in in god of war and you have like at the beginning you have like this brusque relationship between the two of them um and then by the end of the game you know they're homies uh more or less like well yeah. that's not true but do you understand what i'm saying yeah yeah um 
but in between, there's just all this kick-ass combat and stuff. Um, so then for it to slow down and you, you hop on the boat in the lake and you hear Mimir tell some Norse myths, right? Or, you know, they're real in that world. So you hear like some interesting tales where like a ton of the tales that Mimir tells you are all tragic. You know, they almost always end up with terrible things happening. It's like, well, the giants were just minding their own business and then Thor came up and murdered them all, you know? Uh, but it's it's that stuff where it's like those stories do stick with you because it's the reason I do remember one of the actual Norse legends of, of Thor being a complete piece of crap um, and just going on like a drunken rampage, you know? Um, because it just, it wasn't what I was expecting and it hit me in a way where like the rest of the game made me receptive to something like that. And then when I wasn't expecting it, it just kind of tucked it in as like, here's a little story. Um, and I, I think the last of us does well there. A lot of the storytelling that you like really remember are just tiny little bits and pieces in between the, the very, you know, the peaks and mountains. Right. Um, I, I wrote here, like one of my favorite things in, video games and otherwise is when uh, the characters in a story treat things that are extraordinary as if they are mundane, right? In a post-apocalyptic world, so The Last of Us, yeah, everything's completely grown over with plants and there are zombies and stuff everywhere, but the characters are just like, yeah, this is the world. You know, this is a regular thing. And that opens it up to tell really unique stories because instead of focusing on the crazy, hold on, there are zombies. That's nuts. Instead, they're like, yes, there are zombies. We know we've all seen them. Anyway, here's a cool story between these characters um, yeah. set on the backdrop of that. And I, I think video games, because you are the one who controls the character who makes those actions. To me, that is what makes it so damn appealing because I'm making those decisions or I, you know, the decisions that other characters make are affecting me and what I do. Um, it's something that like no knock against other mediums, books and movies and stuff, but to be able to control, you know, to have agency in that story and knowing that I'm safe on my couch, like nothing as bad is going to happen to me and I can turn the game off at any time. Um, it, I absolutely love it. It's the reason that I've loved video games for so long. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think of uh, some other stuff. Uh, I was thinking about Bastion earlier in the podcast. Uh, Bastion is, uh, today's actually the 11-year anniversary of Bastion coming out. That's the game with the dope-ass soundtrack from uh, Supergiant wow. Games. And uh, I didn't play that game until 2016. And it's a game where, like, You've, you, there's a bunch of stuff going on. I mean, Bastion's totally worth playing, but I'm not going to explain the whole game to you. Uh, but there are these challenge areas in the main hub that are completely optional. And you can go into this area and it's like, you know, survive for 10 minutes or don't take damage for five minutes or something. And it's totally optional, very difficult, um, and you could easily breeze by it because it's just a challenge area. Well, I found out when I did those that uh, as you complete these challenges, the game gives you uh, extra story based on the characters that you've met. Story that you only get by doing this optional challenge. And 
those stories in the optional challenge were the best parts of that whole game to me because you find out the absolute tragedy of one of the main characters that you otherwise would have just missed. Like, I'm going to spoil this for you. Uh, there's a huge apocalypse that happens in Bastion. That's why uh, the world is, like, completely bananas because basically somebody uh, exploded a nuclear magic bomb. That's basically what happened. Uh, well, you find out that one of the main characters, it was his, it was the night before his wedding. So it was his bachelor party, and then the world exploded, and everyone died but him. And uh, you only find out that that happened during this optional area. And so I heard that, and I'm just like, whoa! I had no idea that any of this type of storytelling would be here in this game. And the fact that I felt like I... It was, like, personal to me because I decided to challenge myself to go into that area. And, like, when you start the challenge, when you get to the halfway point, and then when you get to the end is when they, when the narrator tells you those bits. Um, that just stuck with me so much. And it happened in 2016. Turns out Bastion is all... Uh, the whole game is about how building walls to keep out foreigners is bad for everyone. So pretty relevant that year, um, even though it came yeah. out yeah. years before that. Um, but that just really stuck with me. I, I was not expecting that game to be... I wasn't playing that game for the story. I was playing that game for the music. Um, so I thought they just did a great job of slipping in all of these feels. Um, and I think they were even better because I was not ready for them. You know? But I just wanted to shout out that game specifically because um, I was just floored by that. I think about the way that game impacted me all the time. And um, even though I just told everybody what happened, uh, I would, you know, highly suggest going back and experiencing that for yourself because it's a testament to the stories video games can tell. Sure. Yeah. That kind of leads into, like, um, what I talk about, like, in my section over here. Um, games that are poignant to not only just, like, what's currently happening, but have happened in the past so like you were saying building up walls to keep out the foreigners i mean that's that's like real world poignancy you mm -hmm. know um i really enjoy games like that um one of the ones that i really just resonate with was splatoon 2's octo expansion um i talk about all the time like and i think i mentioned on the podcast too how that that gave me cry like it's splatoon colorful inkling children spraying people with paint and whatnot you know but like it has the the octo expansion in particular you follow the story of um an octoling who like loses her memory and as you're going under like doing the campaign and everything you'll unlock some of her memories and a lot of them are sad a lot of them are just like why are we ostracized like why do you treat us like this you know because like octolings are basically they're like heavily poc coded right mm -hmm. so this whole time i'm playing as a, a poc and, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm gelling with the character. I'm just like, oh my God, I see exactly where you're coming from. This is the society we live in. And it sucks because they were literally, there was a whole race war in Splatoon. It was a, it was a race war. It's called the Great, oh, I can't remember what it's called. But it's like, it was between the Octolings and the Inklings. And the Octolings lost and they were like sequestered underground to this like Metro Sea area. And that's where they, I mean, pretty much lived their lives until, you know, Dr. Octavius, who actually turned out to be like the general of the that race war, like the, the Octoling general, um, he resurfaces as DJ Octavius and tries to like, you know, reclaim 
Inkopolis or whatever. But so you find out where they where they have gone and where they're coming from and the lives that they're leading and why they do. And you delve into a little bit about Pearl and Marina and their history. And it's just like a lot of brainwashing and societal ostracization um, and just outcasting and othering and all this whatnot. And I'm just like, this is Splatoon, y'all. What? <laughs> Why y'all gonna be like this? And so at, at the end of the, the game, it's not like a spoiler because obviously you get out because otherwise you wouldn't be able to play as an Octoling. But um, you are working towards your freedom at this literal underground railroad because it's a metro train under the ground. A literal underground It's railroad. a literal underground railroad. So you're working towards your freedom by building this structure. And it turns out the person that's helping you build the structure is actually trying to kill you and your entire race. And the structure is a whole blender. So, yeah. Uh, you, you know, get all past that. And so after all that traumatizing events, you finally get, like, your first breath of, like, fresh air. And you see sunlight for the first time. And, like, there's this one little peaceful moment where like the octoling that you are is like gazing into the sunrise or whatever. And then Pearl and Marina come in a, like a chopper. And it's just like, I, it was, uh, it was overwhelming. I cried. I was just like, Oh my God, I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. Like, <laughs> it, it just hit me so hard. And I did not expect a game like Splatoon of all things to, to affect me like that. But that kind of stuff kind of rings true today. You know, people are still being othered. You know, yeah. we, uh, Good news, speaking of, uh, you know, marginalized people, the, like, it was just recently ruled that they, they codified, like, homosexual marriage into, you know, the Constitution. They codified it. So it's going to be protected, whatever happens, whatever they want to do. So win for us. Um, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But, like... And, hey, if I can say this, uh, just because it's super relevant, uh, yeah. Nintendo, um, if, if this is kind of what you're referencing as well, Nintendo, like, said formally that even though japan does not recognize uh gay marriage like they explicitly don't allow it uh that nintendo is like hey we're officially uh extending all benefits to same-sex partners as if they were married we don't care what the country says and apparently that went out uh like several months ago and and it only just became public but that's such a cool thing for them to do um especially since to me it doesn't sound like they were just doing it uh, as like virtue signaling, you know they weren't weren't doing it as a PR move. Um, but yeah, I just I just thought of that as you said it, so I wanted to say I'm excited for that. No, that's really cool. I never I never knew that. I mean, Nintendo they're always paving the way somehow. You know, people people like to dunk on them, but Nintendo they're kind of ahead of the curve like a lot of the time. Uh, we just don't realize it until it's too late. Rest in peace, we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but games like that, um. Tales of Symphonia, there was like a whole big race war thing with that as well. Um, I don't know what it is about me and race wars. I don't know. Generational <laughs> trauma? <laughs> but <laughs> uh, that game uh, really, really sticks with me. But between like the angels and the humans and Colette being caught in the middle, um, that was just really, really hard to bear uh, going through that game. I really do highly recommend that. If you, the original one, by the way, not Dawn of a New Age. I, we don't talk about that one. But the original Tales of Symphonia, please play it if you haven't for the GameCube or you probably find out in Virtual Console. Um, but, and this is the last thing I'm going to mention, the games that I like to play that are emotional, that really get me in like my headspace. I like games that get me in my head and make me think about why I feel 
the things that I do and why I feel the way I do about those things. Hi, Harlow. Kitty cam. Kitty cam. <laughs> Just don't want to sit down now. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, that game company is a brand, like a company, not a brand, uh, that has games like that. They're super duper abstract, but even though they are, like there's no like humans or anything like outright mentioned or, or portrayed or anything, but it still conveys emotion in a way that I can still connect with, which is hard to do, you know? Um, it's kind of the same reason that that trope where POCs get like morphed into animals and like non-human things exist. Mm -hmm. It's because when things are abstract, it's easier to connect with. Um, unfortunately, POC are the only people affected by that trope, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, in Flower and Flow, which are two games by that, that game company, you play as a petal, like a flower petal, and mitochondria, I think, respectively. And um, in Flower, I actually cried playing this game. You are basically tra traveling through this like post-apocalyptic post world and like trying to reflourish it, you know? Um, humans have destroyed the planet. I don't, I don't know the story, but I, I assume that's it because everything is, everyone's gone and everything is dead. Uh, but you're trying you. to replenish the planet. And in Journey, which is another that game company game, you are trying to get back to your birthplace and like rekindle, like find out what happened to your people. Um, in that game, oh my gosh, you, ooh, I'm just getting choked up thinking about it. Like it's so. The music in that game, the the design, everything just comes together in like this tapestry of of just heart. And there are no words. It's all just through sound and visuals and your character interacting with the world, uh, usually by like climbing or sliding or something like that. But it's not just like incredible how something like that, no words at all, can have such an emotional impact on its players like you know it can be hard to describe you know i have no words <laughs> uh it, it can be hard to describe stuff like that almost because it, it's it's like something you have to put in front of someone for them to experience for them to understand like I mentioned earlier about common language that people have to talk about those things and a game like that just uses the things that all of us use in our everyday, just not words, right? Um, it uses these beautiful, like there's cool sand and sliding. You're practically snowboarding in some areas. You're uh, in like a, a ruined city with the sun uh, at the back. You know, later you're like underwater or on a mountain and all these things. But you've got all this swell of an orchestra. And uh, I remember in, in that game, it has multiplayer, but there's not a party system you get matched with someone random online. They don't have a username. It's just you and them. No way to communicate except you can uh, hit a button to like flash a light. And I remember I played through that game in one sitting and I played through most of it with one random unnamed stranger. Uh, but I played through and it was just incredible to connect with this person who could have lived anywhere in the world. Because uh, there were a couple times we like explored little nooks that there ended up not being anything there, but we were only able to reach those nooks uh, because the game has a mechanic that when both characters touch, their jump recharges. So as long as you're jumping together, you can reach basically anything. And I re just remember this like 
moment where I was like signaling to this person with my light that I was like, I want to check out whatever this random corner is over here. I think we can climb. And they came over and we did it and we climbed high, 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 higher, higher. I thought there's no way this goes any higher. And it just kept going. But we got all the way up there and you look around and you have this beautiful view of this area. And I'm sitting there thinking like, we were able to do this with only using a light for communication and patience and curiosity with each other. And and we ended up floating down, but we ended up beating the game later. But I messaged that person uh, like a year later because I had a screenshot of their username for when the credits roll and it finally shows you who you played with. But I'm saying that I'm like, man, I had this emotional experience with someone. I didn't know their name. We never said a word to each other. Uh, but like same story. I, I was able to ingest this emotional experience and also share it with someone at the same time without a word. And I just, it's so incredible to experience that stuff, especially when you're not really expecting it, you know? Uh, but I just, yeah. what a, what a cool damn thing. <laughs> Miles, you played Flower the other day. Um, how far, yeah. how, how far did you get into that slash? Do you know how long it is to beat it? The entirety of the game is two hours. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, Journey's uh, not much yeah. longer. Yeah, it's uh, it's longer if you want to complete everything and unlock. Uh, there's an additional sixth flower, I believe, and then something else after that that I, I did not do. But uh, otherwise, yeah, the went through the credits uh, on the stream on Saturday. So that is there in the VODs. Uh, if anytime somebody wants to get into that emotional experience, uh, flower definitely a, a special game yeah uh sav i hope i didn't cut you off sorry i have such a bad habit of uh getting all up in my feelings there no um, uh, no you didn't i pretty much reached the end of what i said like what i had planned to talk about um but i just love that in games like that such as journey the experience i mean you go in ex expecting you know what you do because it is a video game so you know what to expect Mm -hmm. um but then the, the stories can pan out to be like so different everyone can have a, such a different experience playing the same thing like you had your friend that you traveled through with and and you know got to the end with um i actually ended up running into someone too uh during my first playthrough and we got to like the like the big sand pit where those white like manta ray like things come along mm -hmm. and you first like you those are the only enemies in the game that you like meet because it's not very it's not a very dangerous game right um but those enemies are like the only ways one of the only ways that you can you know fail mm -hmm. and so we had gotten there together and you know we're just kind of trepidatiously moving along and my friend actually got snapped up by one of the one of the rays and so i actually ended up losing my friend and oh, uh, no. you know i had to i didn't get matched up with anyone else you know so i oh I they were just the rest gone. of my journey I spent the rest of my journey, like, um, you know, thinking about my friend, like doing everything for my friend who I had lost in that, in that sand pit. And it was just like, really, when I got to the end, I was like, this is for you. <laughs> and, and I'm really glad that their name wasn't like, you know, 420 Blaze It Faux Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just two different emotional experiences from that one game. And that's just, you know, scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotional games in general, you know. Yeah, I, I love, I love that. Yeah, there's, there's so damn much we could talk about here. Um, I I wrote down um, Firewatch in my notes here. 
That's a game I, I don't think of quite as often. I'm pretty sure I was the one who beat that, but maybe I watched Lizzie beat the whole thing. I honestly don't remember. Uh, but I experienced the whole thing from start to finish. And uh, that game does an interesting thing, kind of like Bioshock, where, uh, you know, I mentioned before, I'm very receptive. I, I really like it when a game gives me something that I was, like, open to, but not ready for. So, like, Bioshock, I'm like, oh, cool, I get to shoot lightning from my hand. This will be a fun power fantasy game. And then the game starts, and you're like, this is a horror game. This game is scary. I had no idea it was going to be scary, and I'm scared. Uh, you know, and I, I've always joked about wanting to buy a ticket to a movie, but not knowing what the movie is. You know, maybe I, like, check up some boxes. I'm like, these are the genres I like. Now, I'm going to pay five bucks for a ticket. Give me whatever you got. And by not knowing what type of movie it is, it'll hit me a little harder, right? This, If I don't know if it's a scary movie, um, I might be more scared. If I don't know if it's going to be a comedy, I might find it more funny. Uh, well, Firewatch was a game that at the beginning, I remember when that game first came out, Firewatch isn't very long. It's it's probably five hours so somewhere in that, in that uh, somewhere between like four and ten, because <laughs> my memory's spotted. Uh, but it's, it's a, you know, the game starts, and in the first couple hours, it's gorgeous um, and relaxing, but then a couple things start happening where it's, feel like, I remember feeling like I was waiting for a jump scare, uh, and I remember people online talking about that, where they're like, yeah, the first quarter of that game, or first half of that game, I kept expecting something to jump out and, like, attack me, or there are uh, a few moments in there where it seems like there might be something supernatural going on or there might be like a monster or something. Uh, but the fact that everyone who played that game and the marketing were all just, they zipped their lips. They said, look how pretty this is. Look how good the soundtrack is. It's worth playing. And no one spoiled what that game is by the time I got to it, which was quite a while later. Uh, but the fact that I didn't really know the genre of the game while I was playing it, I felt like made it so much more impactful for me um, because I I couldn't really brace myself for what was, uh, you know, for anything the game had coming up next. And that's something I really appreciate in games is when, uh, you know, I don't really have a chance to, like, steal myself um, and, and the, the end does or doesn't come quickly. I mean, I remember in The Last of Us, there's a specific spot in The Last of Us 1 where I was like, that's the end of the game. Roll credits, there will be a sequel that picks up from here, but this is the end of the game based on the events, and it's not. It's like maybe three-fifths of the way through the game. There's still plenty of stuff after that. But uh, I was fully prepared, like emotionally. I was like, this is it. Like, th this thing happened, and it's over. Like, I don't know how they're going to pick up the pieces from this, but it's over, and this is the end, and everything's sad. And... Um, and it wasn't. It picked up and just went to a whole different segment of the game. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's when it's right before winter hits for the first time. Uh, but I I just uh, remember being blindsided by what was happening, and my expectations were just all over the place, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, outside of the uh, apocalyptic kind of stuff and the the things that are are like. Uh, flower and uh, journey where there's it's not really about the the humanity of things um, 
there there still are so many real stories told in in fantastical ways that have been explored a whole lot over the past few years and uh i've really gotten into a series of of games about grief and of loss and overcoming trauma um and again we we mentioned that that kind of stuff may not be for everybody but at the same time if you do flex that muscle uh there is some really amazing stuff out there yeah yeah i mean think about think about um uh celeste and what that game is telling you about emotions and uh overcoming things yeah. Um, Actually, like, that was the game I told a former coworker. I was like, "Yeah, I'm playing this game," and they're like, "What's it about?" I'm like, "Well, it's it's a really difficult platformer, but really, it's about, about depression and anxiety." And the person was like, "How do you make a game about anxiety?" I was like, "Well, let me tell you, you know." And it was kind of fun to be like, literally, their first introduction to a game that could you know, tell a story like that. I mean, imagine 20 years ago, if a game, if somebody pitched a game to you and they were like, it's a story about depression and it's great. It's beautiful. You know, uh, it was like the industry and the world weren't really ready for that. Not to say that those things did not exist, but, uh, the world is the, the state of the industry is in so much better of a position now to sneak those things in. Um, cause I could just leave that part out and say, Celeste is a, difficult platformer with a great soundtrack you know and then somebody new plays the game and they're like whoa i didn't know that this could happen you know like i'm laughing and crying like this character's sad but they're joking and that's how real people deal with you know their struggles uh so i i appreciate that but yeah celeste is like specifically the one where somebody is like uh what (laughs) why would you play a game about anxiety i got enough of that they said but, uh, yeah, I, I know um, the the game, I never played this, but uh, I think you did, and I think, I think you didn't like it that much, actually. Carlos um, Lake by Annapurna. Enjoyed uh, it. You enjoyed I didn't that? like it as much as I hoped I would. But, uh, yeah, Lake is, it's almost too mundane for me. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> Because totally you're, you're literally playing a postal worker, and she's not even really a postal worker. She's a temp postal worker because her dad is, like, uh, off vacationing for the first time in forever or whatever. Um, but you're, you're, that is definitely a game. I, I left that off my list here, but it, it definitely hits some of those notes because if you've, everybody's had some sort of a feeling in the, in the vein of, I left home to, to find myself and then I had to go back home for this or that reason mm-hmm. and things got weird. <laughs> and in, in Lake it's, Oh shit! I I found out that maybe what I wanted this whole time was was to be home. Uh, things have changed since I since I was last there, and and all of a sudden there's this really cute blonde that works at a video store that makes all these movie references constantly. And maybe I should hook up with her. And I totally did in that game because that's the the real play there. Hashtag memorable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's there's so many great experiences. I mean, that that is a, a life game, mm-hmm. but something like my most recent, uh, one of my most recent games on this kind of list is Inmost. And I cannot tell uh, everybody enough about uh, the the whole overcoming of trauma kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in most literally uh, dives deep into uh, child abuse, um, like a murder suicide, like all kinds of trigger warnings. Like this is this is a pixel art game that at first glance you're like, oh, this is like trying to be a horror game, but pixel art. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you just look at the cover, you're not gonna understand. Yeah. And and it's a slow burn. And it's this this thing that goes with um, no spoken dialogue, just text, just this really beautiful pixel art. And it, it tells a story that you have no idea what's going on in the beginning, and it becomes this fable. And then the end of the game is literally about a 15 to 20 minute pixel art cutscene, where all of a sudden the this narration actually comes in and basically tells you this whole story of what it meant and um just blindsides you with this this game has like all these horror moments there's actual jump scares in a pixel art horror story uh that's super surprising and then it brings out this this sweet story that's like oh your character, you're, you actually play as three different characters throughout the game. They all uh, were victims the entire game uh, for this or that reason. And then uh, a couple of them come out alive and uh, better for the experience. And it, you find out this whole thing was a, a deep story about love and loss. And you're just like, I, I need a moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's so many great stories out there and there's uh truth in all of them that you can find and that's that's my number one takeaway from from any kind of emotion in games there's so much good stuff like celeste was definitely one for me uh greece uh another one more recently a memoir blue it's literally uh the narrative designer and or director of the game uh it was basically her memoir of her relationship with her mom and what she didn't realize and never got to say to her. Uh, just a wild amount of things and topics that are, are being discussed and explored in these indie games that are just absolutely outstanding. And if you guys ever need a, a reference of, uh, of those kind of games, there's a big old list we can talk about. <laughs> sure. All right, well, uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on about all sorts of emotional uh, games. The more that we talk, I mean, the more I think of of certain bits and moments and stuff. But uh, if we do that, we're never going to get to our stray through. Um, also, Kitty Cam nope. on Sav's camera. You're, Kitty Cam. Kitty is very cute. I saw them, uh, you know, you got the black body, mostly black body, and then the w- very white paw that, like, jets <laughs> up towards your face. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that'll, unless anybody else has anything to say, mm. then that'll be the wrap on our party topic. So we'll get moving here to Stray in a minute, but let's wrap this up. So thank you, everybody who's stuck around, uh, whether you're listening to the audio version of this in the future, watching it on a Twitch VOD or YouTube VOD later, or everyone who's live in chat right now. We really appreciate you being here. Um, we... We've got a bunch of stuff on Party Invite Out Games. You can find our socials. You can find Vilos's latest blog post, which I think was uh, your backlog recap numero two, if I got that right. 
two weeks worth of games on that one. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, how many out of that? How how many out of twenty five? Oh no no, it's your it's your backlog. So it's both stuff you haven't played and stuff you are playing. Anyway, I just am still amazed at the fact that you are about to have beaten your twenty fifth game. Um, so I'm gonna just keep bringing it up so many times. But yeah, visit our website and you'll find everything that we've got going on there. Um, I wanted to shout out more of what our community is doing in Discord. It's the most active part of our community. Um, we've been playing Overwatch 2. I actually didn't get a chance to play it, but uh, Sav did with a few other people through a combination of getting lucky through the beta drops and um, buying the $40 instant unlock. Um, even though Overwatch 2 is free, you pay $40 and you get it now, today. You get it into, uh, you get into the beta. Um, so people have been playing that. If you're interested in, in that, pop in. We've been playing a little Planetside 2. That is a, I don't know, like a 15-year-old game, and it sure feels like it. Uh, but there's fun to be had. We've been playing Raft. We've been playing Rogue Company. We've been playing a whole bunch of stuff. So pop in our Discord if you're looking for a toxicity-free place to uh, you know meet people and chit-chat. Um, but other than that, I would say... Uh, the the show is here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. On Tuesdays, we've been playing Prey. We're probably going to just keep playing on Tuesday nights, even after we beat Prey. Um, and uh, next week, we'll be playing As Dusk Falls, which is a game um, I will technically be in the pilot seat for, but everyone here, um, just like if we were doing the traditional multiplayer, uh, you will have final word votes. So basically what happens, that is a choose-your-own-adventure game that uh, is definitely in the vein of emotional games. It is a, a game about family and dealing with accidents and tragedy and people making their own decisions uh, in their own lives. But we vote on, we as a team and chat and here in Twitch, we all vote on the outcomes of what those players do. So I might want something to happen, but chat, if you vote a different way, then that's what's going to happen. The, uh, the only other difference is we each have veto power where we can like press a button and get, you know, the thing we want regardless of the votes. And normally each person would only have one, but since we're doing it this way, I technically have unlimited number of those. Um, but I'll say that each of us has one of those going into that um, story mode. The game's not supposed to be very long. I don't know if we'll beat it in um, one session, but we'll we'll so certainly wrap it up pretty quickly. So, as dust falls next Wednesday after the show, or you know, after the podcast, uh, keep an eye out for that. All right. So thanks everybody for listening. That's the end of the podcast. We're gonna take a quick break. Stick around for Stray with Chris in the captain's seat. I'll talk to you in a few minutes. Peace, y'all. Bye. Bye.